Well, good morning, Radiant Life family. Just want to thank you, uh, first and foremost, for inviting us into your, into your home. And I'm glad to be back. I had two weeks off, and it was an enjoyable little break, but I'm glad to be back. And I even forgot what week we're in right now in this SWAT series. But I do know this. After this week, uh, we, I can't see fingers back there. Six. This is week six or part six or episode six. And uh, we still got two more weapons uh, pieces to look at the armor of God in the next two weeks to follow. But before we jump in, and we're going to look at this piece, before we do that, um, I really want to encourage you by something that, you know, Pastor Josh and I have kind of tossed around this idea for a while about starting a podcast and just the season that we're all in together kind of just um, pushed us into it sooner than what we realized, and it's been awesome. But I really need to encourage the entire church family, the entire church body like it and share it and pass it on to family and friends if it's helpful. But we started a Radiant Reflections podcast. And this entire podcast allows us to go just a little bit deeper into the Sunday morning's message that maybe perhaps we can't unpack everything for 20 to 30 minutes on stage, but this allows us to go kind of under the waters a little bit and go a little bit deeper into the message we normally stay about 30 minutes, and again, I listen to all of them, even though I'm part of all of them, I listen to them, and I listen to them on two-speed, all right? So I kind of just bump it up a little bit, but I, I think they're absolutely wonderful, and I, it's really awkward for me to kind of advertise it because I'm a big part of it, and I don't want to really promote myself or what Pastor Josh and some of the other pastors are doing, but I think it's that good that I do want to promote it to you. So look for any, any place you can find a podcast especially on the iPhone, look there, um, look there first, and then if you have this, the inferior product, Android, use that, okay? And um, yes, this has been an ongoing staff issue. Or, hey, right now in the comments, um, put an Apple if you're an iPhone user, and put a thumbs down if you're an Android user, okay? I mean, <laughs> all right, a little fun this morning, all right? Here we go, I told you, I'm excited to be back. All right, so hey, the, the really cool is this past week we had uh, a release of some really uh, an African-American pastor that we interviewed, and it's just, it's just an awesome podcast, so really encourage you to jump on board with that. But as, as I said before, we are in part six of this series, SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics, and um, we've been in the book of Ephesians, and a guy by the name of Paul is writing this letter to the church that he started in the city called Ephesus, and when Paul's writing this letter, he's under arrest in the city of Rome, and every single day he is looking at a Roman soldier in all his gear and he's realizing, hey, there's a correlation between what the Roman soldier is wearing as well as the spiritual warfare and tactics that the enemy of our soul uses and what weapons we can put on and experience and engage in the spiritual battle that you and I don't see. But it's raging all around us. And Paul writes, and he, he writes it this way in Ephesians chapter 6. It begins this way. I'm going to start in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So stop there. You may be fighting right now in the marriage, but your struggle is not against your husband. The struggle is not against your wife. There's something deeper happening that you and I just don't get the privilege of seeing, whether we call it a privilege or not. I don't know if it would be a privilege for our eyes to see the spiritual realm around us. 
Your battle is not against you and your child. The battle is not against Republican or Democrat. The battle is not against a believer and a non-believer. There is something deeper going on. and under, There's an underlying issue, and Paul's about ready to reveal it to us. Paul says it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Paul is reminding first century followers of Jesus, there is something larger in play. We just don't see it. And there are spiritual forces of evil that are in battle for your soul. And you have to understand this. The devil is hunting you. You have a target on your back. We looked at it a couple weeks ago. Peter, who started the leader of the church, right? He's the oldest of the disciples, those 12 guys who followed Jesus. He's the oldest. He's like the leader. And he writes in his letter, and he says this, your enemy, the devil. Now, I want to remind you of something. The devil doesn't care if you think he's real or not. He's coming after you. He doesn't care if you give him any recognition in the world. In fact, I wonder if you may enjoy that a little more. <laughs> Enemy. What is he doing? He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's hunting you. And he has his little workers that we in scripture, they're known as demons, out to also, and he kind of employs them, if you will, or deploy them to wreak havoc on your soul, on your marriage, on your emotions, on your feelings, at your job, against your co-workers. He's out to devour you. And Paul is writing to this church saying, wake up, Ephesus. You need to know something. And Ephesus was a strong church. Again, they had, um, they had Timothy, one of Paul's um, protégés that was there pastoring. They had James, the half-brother of Jesus, was there. Jesus' own mother, Mary, eventually makes her way to Ephesus and is a part of this church. This church is strong, but Paul's saying, wake up! Something bigger in play. What does he want to devour? Here's some things. Here's some tactics. Here you go. If you're a note-taker, even if you're not a note-taker, write this down right now. Here's a couple things. Number one, wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. He's going to attack up here. If he can get you to think a different way and especially think not the purposes of God, he's winning. If he can get you to twist your mind and your thinking, the devil's winning. He's after wrong thinking. And oftentimes when the devil is winning in our mind with wrong thinking, it leads to wrong believing. Man, I, okay, I'm getting attacked. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a failure. Does God really love me? Absolutely. But I don't feel that way. I wonder if because the devil is after your mind and your thinking right now, therefore it's affecting the way you believe in life. Even though yesterday you would have said, God loves me no matter what. But today's a different day because the enemy hits you in the thinking first, which affects your believing. I, I, Hear me when I say this. I think this even affects it to our degree of our theology. You know where our power comes from? Our power comes from the Holy Spirit. 
the presence of God in our lives. And I want to take a moment just to say, many of us, we got wrong theology with crazy Uncle Holy Spirit. We say, Uncle Holy Spirit, just stay in the corner, behave yourself over there, right? Don't do anything crazy, because we like control, order, just don't do anything that's going to freak me out. I wonder if the devil doesn't love us to think that way because all the power and authority in our lives is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And he wants to smess with that theology alone with the Holy Spirit. Because you and I, as followers of Jesus, we have power and authority in this life over Satan. And it's the presence of God living inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit. I wonder if the devil doesn't also attack the way we believe in our theology. And here's another way. For many of us, you have incredible memories of terrible experiences. Just a terrible thing that happened to you when you were seven years old that should have never happened to you. And you thought you had worked past it and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, wham! You're hit with that, ter- that memory of that terrible experience again. And maybe you were thought that I was past that 21 th- age when I was 21, I did that one thing, or man, just I know last year I screwed up big time, but I'm on the right track, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, that memory of that terrible experience comes up. And so for some of us, the devil's attacking right here with our fears. Maybe perhaps you've never even had a fear, and all of a sudden you're like, I feel like I'm a fearful person right now, and I don't understand it. Perhaps the devil is hunting you and he found a little spot. And perhaps that one fear we realize is an idol in our life. That we realize we don't trust God in that area. And the devil says, okay, now I'm going to pick and pry it open. You've got to understand something. The devil is hunting you. Here in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church in in Corinth, and this is what he says too. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. And we looked at this several weeks ago, but I want to understand that the devil is scheming against you. This word schemes actually, um, if you continue to translate it from the Greek to the Latin to the English, we actually get the scheming of the mind. This is where that word comes from. So watch this. Not only is the devil hunting you, but where is he hunting me at? The devil's coming after your mind. He's known as the deceiver, the father of lies. He's coming after here. And I know many of you on the other side of this camera right now, you know, yep, that's me. I know exactly where I get attacked. It's all right here. And the good news is this morning, Paul is looking at a Roman soldier and says, I got a solution and a piece of armor of God for you. I know exactly where the devil's going to attack you, and I know I've got a piece of armor for you. So back into Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this, therefore put on the full armor of God. Whose armor is it? Say it with me. Ready? It's God's. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. It's already there for us. It's his power. It's his authority in us. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And now Paul's going to give us that beautiful list, looking at the Roman soldier. He's going to give us that beautiful list of how they put on an armor and how it applies in a spiritual battle. 
Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We looked at that at week two, that core support. We have to have God's word as our foundation. You gotta, say it with me, gird up. You gotta gird up. And then we, we got the, the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness in place. It's covering heart that no matter what we've done, we are standing right before God. And then it continues. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, this piece of armor allows you to stand in peace when the enemy's attacking you, but it also allows you to go take the peace to other people who are broken and hurting. It's a double thing. And then it goes on. In addition to all this, and we looked at this last week with Pastor Josh, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation, which we'll look at today, this morning. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So this morning, in week six, we're going to talk briefly about the helmet of salvation. But before we jump in, let me pray for us. Father, I pray for the rest of this time as we hear from you, God. I pray amongst everything. I pray right now we would stop scrolling on Facebook. I pray right now, God, that we would stop looking at the comments. I pray right now we would remove every distraction from us and that we would clearly hear from your spirit in this moment. God, give us absolute clarity to hear from you, to see what your word has to say about this helmet of salvation, what it means for us in a spiritual battle, and potentially what it can mean for others. Remove those distractions now, God. If you have to, maybe we gotta get off of Facebook and get on YouTube or do something else to watch this video. May we not be distracted. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, growing up, I played football, and I remember my freshman year, uh, we had to put on our football helmets because we were, we were playing Menden. And it was, a, it was freshman years, our freshman team, and we were, we were scrimmaging Menden, and they came. And I was only, I'm 6'6 six, six now, and uh, 235 pounds. Take it all in, okay? Uh, my freshman year, I was 5'7 and about 95 pounds. 5'7, 95 pounds. I was little. And uh, my freshman year, I was our running, one of our running backs. And I remember going up against Menden, and uh, it was a scrimmage on our turf. And I remember coach called the play, and uh, I purposely strapped on my helmet a little tighter because I was getting the ball, and uh, my lineman did a great job. I got the handoff. I come in. I get stay low. Big, wide alligator mouth, right, so that quarterback can get that ball right in the stomach. Big, wide alligator mouth. Close on that sucker. The line split. My hole is there. And then all of a sudden, that Menden linebacker, I saw him. You know what I did? I did everything you tell a football player not to do. I lowered my head. And guess what that linebacker did? He lowered his head. And all of a sudden, helmet to helmet, and I don't remember anything else about the rest of that scrimmage. I remember being in so much pain and a massive headache, and I don't know how long I was on the ground for, but I remember getting up, and the coach says, Bib, that's why you got a helmet. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, but that hurts. Like, I get it. I get the purpose was trying to protect me and that helmet. And guess what coach made me to go do again? That exact same play. 
But I was thankful in that moment. Yes, did I have a concussion? Yes, I ended up having a concussion. But I realized in that moment, that helmet has probably saved me more than anything else, right? I love football. Football can be just a violent sport, but they have a helmet for a reason, right? They have a helmet. I love what Paul's saying about the helmet of salvation is that it's there for a reason. Now, in the first century, this thing was made of iron, and here's what's really cool. I'm going to get graphic with you for a moment. The entire purpose of the Roman army building that helmet right there was for one purpose and one purpose only. Their enemy had a broad axe, a two-handled broad axe. And the entire purpose of the broad axe was one swing. The idea was to cut through the skull into the brain and kill you. It's the sole purpose. So the Roman army said, well, we don't like that. And so they actually created like a skull cap first and realized the skull cap does absolutely nothing against the broad axe. We got to up our game and they make this cool iron thing. And about a decade before, Paul writes his letter to the church of Ephesus. What's really cool is that the Romans actually changed their design on their helmet and they added these side flaps in a back flap because what they realized is yes this began to protect from that broad axe that came over but the enemy started to be smart and said okay if we can't get you here we may be able to get you here and so the romans like "Uh oh we gotta do something else and they added side flaps and a side back flap so it could protect your neck at this moment and then they, the romans could get really really cool with the design of their helmets and some put like beda- they could bedazzle their helmet there you go and they be- they would some would bedazzle their helmet and do all sorts of things but i know what can be a little confusing this word salvation that can be a really churchy word for us let me unpack it it's really a simple basic definition of salvation it just means saved delivered or saved delivered or liberated that literally is the basic definition of salvation So take this basic definition of salvation, and let's just use some of these words to substitute salvation. So this literally, the helmet of salvation, you could say it's the helmet of freedom or liberation. That is what Paul's saying to put on. Now I know what's confusing in this moment. A lot of times you may sit back and go, man, but I said that sinner's prayer at one time. Aren't I saved? Like how can I put on salvation all the time type of thing? You have to understand something about salvation, about this idea of being saved and delivered and liberated. And here's this idea. Salvation is not just a past event. That one time you said that prayer, it's also a present reality. You are saved and you walk in freedom every single day. You are liberated. Walk in that every single day. But there are too many of us who said, well, I said the sinner's prayer. I did that salvation prayer back when I was five or a year ago, whenever it was. Aren't I good? I'm saved. Yes, you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But there is so much more to that one moment. So much more. It's not just that one event. It's present reality. And we must walk in this present reality of salvation. That you are saved, you are free, and you are liberated in the name of Jesus. And we got to walk in that power and authority. Now here's what's beautiful. What's beautiful is the helmet offers two things for us. 
So if you're a note taker, this is where you really want to begin to take notes again. If you're a note taker. And if you're not a note taker, I hope by now you're so tired of, of us of hearing us say, you should become a note taker. Where does the enemy want to attack you? Right here. In the moment you need God's word, do you think if I'm never taking notes or in God's word, I'm, am I going to remember this stuff? I love you enough to say that. You ought to elbow your spouse right now and say, write these notes down now. Pastor Ryan says, no, don't, don't. Okay, you can throw me under the bus, fine. But hit that. Here's number one. Number one, a helmet of salvation. The idea is to protect my thought life. To protect my thought life. Remember what I said earlier. The devil's coming after your mind. The mind is the battleground. He's coming after you. The helmet of salvation is there to protect our thought life. I love what the New King James says in um, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. Many times you'll hear people say, it's the way you think will be the way you behave and act. All based on the way you think. Think about this. If you think you're an absolute failure in life, do you think your behavior and actions are going to show confidence? No, because it got up here. Now, we know now, sitting in a very civilized country, that the brain anatomically does a lot for the body. The whole central nervous system flows from the brain. It's just all tied. Any impairment to the brain will in some way impair some small part of your body. We know this to be true. It's the same spiritually as well. You begin in the middle of it to have one slight thought that just disrupts who you are as a follower of Jesus. It will begin to derail you. Our, our mind will run wild with our thoughts and it will derail us into who we are. And we no longer are protected. We think, oh my goodness, what happens? Does God really love me? Can I really take that step? I'm loaded with fear right now. I'm loaded with worry. I'm loaded with anxiety, which are real things. Don't get me wrong. But I want to know, God, that you are protecting me right now. That I don't have to believe into these lies that the devil is trying to get up here. I love what author T. Dwight Pentecost says. And he says this. The thought life determines whether the child of God experiences victory or defeat. Some of you right now, you're sitting there going, I, I know that to be true. Because in this season, I am losing out in my thought life. And it feels like defeat after defeat after defeat. One of the major purposes in the spiritual realm that the devil is after you and he's hunting you is we can have the helmet of salvation to protect my thought life. Here's the second and the last. It's not only there to protect your thought life, it's there to remind me of my identity. You guys know, and I've said it a million times, I, I love mowing. And in fact, this past week I was out mowing. And uh, every once in a while, since I live on a major a busy road. Uh, I get trash that just gets into my side yard. And depending on the size of the trash, I may or may not run over it here and there. 
So, and it depends on what kind of mood I'm in, right? Like, if I'm in a hurry, I'm like, just buzz it. It'll all blow and chop into pieces, right? If I'm not, I'll stop the mower, get out, and pick it up. Well, I was out mowing my side yard, and I saw what appeared to be like a receipt this big. So I was thinking, I can run it over, chop it up into a million little pieces, and I'll just keep blowing it towards my house, and it'll be fine. So, what I thought was the receipt, sitting in the mower, and I run it right over the middle. Like, I was like, that was a proud hitting moment, right? Like, I know I nailed that sucker. Hit it, came back around. Let me give you context real fast. I just wrote this message like an hour before I mowed. I came back around, and there is that receipt, fully intact. And I thought to myself, that's weird. Because I ran that booger over. That thing should be in a million pieces. million pieces. But this time, the receipt was flipped open. And I saw what appeared to be a note. So I was thinking, this is a love note. Like, I'm going to get some juicy details right here into this relationship. So... I did what probably you would do at this point now. I thought I had chopped this thing up. It went under my mower. It did not chop up. Now I see the writing on it. So I stopped the mower, got out and actually picked it up, came back and sat down in my mower. And remember, I had just wrote this message. And I want to read you the note that I found in my side yard that should have been chopped up by that mower the first time I went over it. And this note reads this. I'm going to make it as PG as possible for you because it is not a PG letter. Nobody. I'm nobody. Nobody cares about me. No one wants me around. No one would miss me if I ended it tonight. Everybody would be happy. I'm one less burden. One less complaining, no good piece of crap on this earth. Lazy, lousy, stupid, worthless. That pretty much sums me up in four words. Unwanted, unloved, no one needs me, no one wants me. And I took that letter. And again, I just wrote this message. I had tears in my eyes. Because this note was supposed to be chopped up when I ran it over. And for some reason, I truly believe I was supposed to see it. So I grabbed it, got back on the mower. Started praying for this person. started praying that this person would realize that no matter what the devil's trying to get into this person's head that there's a heavenly father who loves that person and in the moment I just started praying God I don't even know if this person knows you or not but may they feel absolute love from a heavenly father may this person feel worth not unwanted 
May they know that you have a plan and purpose for them. That you created them. You knit them together in their mother's womb. You know the innermost being of this person. Whoever wrote this, God, this is your child. May they feel loved. And I told you I got this about an hour after writing this message. Now remember, the helmet of salvation, it reminds you of your identity. Because I think if we're honest, many of us could say right now, I relate to every word in that letter. But I want you to know something. I prayed for you as well. That you would experience the love of your Heavenly Father. Listen to me. He's so proud of you. He desires to have that relationship with you if you don't have a relationship with God right now. And for those who may struggle, I struggle with guilt and shame, and this is where the enemy wants to attack my mind, is my identity. But let me remind you this morning as you follow Jesus, you're not your past, you're not your failures, you're not your mistakes, you're not what the enemy wants to get in your head. You have to realize you are blessed. You're blessed. You're chosen. This is your identity in Jesus Christ. You are now holy and blameless before your heavenly Father. You are redeemed. You once were lost, but now you are found. You're redeemed. It's your identity. Let's live into it. It's the helmet of salvation. You're not only redeemed, but you're accepted by your heavenly Father with all your baggage and mistakes and regrets. He's there to say, I love you, child. You're liberated. You're free from whatever bondage held you back before. You're liberated. You're adopted into a brand new family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ now. You're forgiven. Everything you've ever done, God says, it's done. I paid for it with my son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. It's done. You're forgiven. Most importantly, the devil wants to get up here and say, no one can love you, but I got to remind you, your identity in Jesus Christ says you are loved. You're loved. And not only are you loved, you are so valuable to your king. You are so valuable to your heavenly father. And not only above all that, But you are a conqueror, and you can face the devil today in this moment by putting on the helmet of salvation, not just salvation because I said the prayer, but to walk in your identity as a follower of Jesus. And be reminded as I close, never forget who you are because of whose you are. You are the son and daughter of God. That is who you are. And when the devil is attacking here, remind the devil, nope, I am God's and his seal of approval is on my heart and on my mind. So as we said in our football team, when the players have their helmets off and we're ready to go hit the gridiron again, we tell everyone, hey boys, strap up. It's time to get in the game. So friends, let's put on the helmet of salvation. It's time that you and I strap up. So let me pray for us. It's time to strap up. Every day, every moment, we strap up. 
we're reminded of I'm protecting my thought life because the devil wants to hit me here. But I'm also reminded that I am God's and the victory's already won. I want to give you a chance this morning. The chance for that moment. You're like, Ryan, I have no salvation. Right now is the time. Now's the time. It's time to put on the helmet of salvation and get your new identity in Jesus Christ right now in this moment. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God who came on earth for 33 years, who did ministry, performed miracles, and ushered in the kingdom of God. And he took on the cross you, everything you have ever done, which we call sin. He took your sin upon his shoulders and died on the cross for you. And three days later, he defeated death and we can have victory now. We can be reconciled to God because we were dirty, we were nasty with our sin, but Jesus Christ paid for all of it. And it's time just to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and surrender and go all in. So if you will, will you just repeat these words after me? Just say, Heavenly Father, this morning, I put my faith and trust into your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Help me to walk in my new identity. Help me to walk knowing how much you love me. Help me to walk knowing that there is victory, that I am more than a conqueror, that I'm walking with the presence of God every day. And say these words, friends. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, and guide me as I turn my life over to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, if you said that prayer for the first time, we would love for you to throw a comment right now because our team wants to connect with you and, and be praying for you. So if you would in this moment, just do a little raise hand or something, say something in the comments. But I want us to stand right now in our rooms, or hopefully don't stand if you're in your car, just stay there. But let's worship. Let's worship with this song that we introduced last week called Graves into Gardens. And that's what Jesus specializes in. When we feel down and out in the game, like out of the game, and we're in a grave, God specializes in taking that and making something beautiful back into the garden. So let's worship together, friends. <laughs>